Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, and we have a featured guest today, but I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Scott. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We're glad you're here. Yeah, it's very good. I've got to tell you, very exciting. Um, yes. We have now passed uh, over 8,000 plays on, on Spotify. And uh, we continue to grow. And I just, uh, we, we say it every, every show, but I I really want to thank everybody as does Michelle for the growing Spotify audience, um, the the Apple audience. And please, for those of you who are fans, share us, like us, subscribe, because it helps these numbers and then helps the platform grow. I'm excited to have our guest speaker back again. Um, we have with us today, Diane Belinsky, LCSW. Um, she's a, a friend and a colleague, long-term colleague of mine. It's a gift to have her here live with us. Um, but for those of you that didn't hear her previous episodes with us, uh, just a little bio about her. When you hear her, you will notice immediately that Diane is very passionate and curious about people and especially how change occurs. And This comes from partly her journey beginning in a macro sense as a successful business consultant for 20 years. She really learned about organizations and helping them change and become more effective. But even in that, she yearned for a career that was not only using those talents of hers, but actually touched her soul and, and deeply felt like work that she could deeply nurture in the world. And through her journey, she's discovered how intimately tied the mind and body are, which led to a certification in Swedish and deep tissue massage. Now, today, as an LCSW, she works primarily with individuals looking at their unique experiences and lenses in the world and assisting them with how to enjoy chaos, discomfort, and change. Now, I am looking forward to that because I struggle with enjoying chaos. Yeah, instead of being ruled by fear. Yes. So I don't know if you can hear her in the background, but enjoying (laughs) chaos and discomfort and change instead of being ruled by fear. Her private practice is in West LA, um, but she can see anyone in California or internationally as a coach. She integrates body, somatic, mind, psycho, and spirit ethos to improve overall quality of life. Um, Historically, Diane has experience working with grief counseling. She's treated survivors of human trafficking, sexual abuse, domestic violence, and other traumas. She has extensive experience working with individuals who are anxious and depressed or who may be using substance substance abuse to, or abusing substances to cope or who are experiencing physical, mental, or emotional discomfort. So Diane, thank you so much for being here. Well, well, welcome back. I'm excited. Thank you. Oh my God, Michelle, what a wonderful thing to hear (laughs) and talk about me. I've known Michelle over two decades, 25 years. Um, Are we that old? 
<laughs> we are. With age is wisdom. And I'm <laughs> like you. really excited and have so many thoughts about fear. And that's such a great thing to talk about, maybe another podcast. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So we were going to talk about somatic, somatic interventions and yes. how, how it integrates with um, therapy and what I've been learning about that. And like some of the, the resources that are really new that I would want people to share and all that and hear, you know, Michelle and Scott's questions or thoughts, or it sounds like we all have good experience in this. So I, I don't know where you guys want to start, but I'm happy to maybe at least start with some, a definition of what exactly. Why don't, you know, why, right. why don't we explain it? By the way, we're talking right. about somatic as that's O M A T I C not yeah. semantic yeah. Uh, with yeah. an N. So it, yeah yeah, die, yeah why don't you explain what so, what the I think whole concept is yeah i mean i'm just gonna like a definition i would read to you is it's somatic psychology is the study of interactions among the brain mind and body and the behavior and how this directly affects psychological and physical health and really when we i think the then and the now like when we think about somatic psychology or somatic interventions i think we as in therapists think about the newer things like sensory motor psychotherapy or somatic experiencing, which led to EMDR or what I now do is brain spotting or some other modalities we can talk about. But historically, we can go all the way back to energetic traditions, you know, like Zen Buddhism, traditional Chinese medicine. So for centuries and centuries, the world has been using the body to heal and, and we talk about it in so many different ways, you know, with chakras or in yoga, they talked about it different, but the body has ways where we store up energy and we get constrained. And essentially that comes from trauma. And as we all know, we've all been traumatized over the last three or four years. So like who couldn't really um, benefit from learning not only more about these therapies, but also learning techniques they can do on their own and, or, you know, getting in with somebody who has a lot of experience in this. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm listening. I, I'm listening. And I actually told Michelle, I was going to just kind of be a passenger on this podcast. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But, but, but give, give, given. I was last time you asked a ton of questions. So I felt no, like. No, no, no. So, so g- g- well, but g- given what you've said, I, yeah. you know, we've, th- you've thrown out a lot of things. I use yeah. brain spotting, for example. Sure. Um, and we talked about it in our last time together amazing resource for for listeners who've never heard of this before um and it's all built around i correct me if i'm wrong here diane it's built around the concept that you you think and feel in accordance with where you look no i mean let's expand on that that's one aspect of it i would say and i think if we go back further somatic um work and psychology integrates eye position and sound and mindfulness. Those are the three major components. So you're touching on one, eye position. And I think all of these modalities, EMDR, brain spotting, sensory motor, psychotherapy, somatic experiencing, and there's more, you know, neurofeedback doesn't necessarily incorporate all of them, but incorporates eye position, sound, and mindfulness. And what we've learned, as you know, Scott, is there's so much around polyvagal theory is the study of this, of the, um, the sound or the eye remind me, my brain is broken today. <laughs> and then, and then essentially neurologists have studied eye position for years and how right. that impacts the body. So we've, there's been so many aspects with the sound and with eye position that really get in touch with the subcortical parts of the brain, which is the mid and the lower brains, the reptilian parts, which is obviously the vagus nerve and the amygdala. That's where we're really going to hit upon 
and sorry if if you guys don't know all I can we can slow down and, and, and describe a lot of this, but let's just talk about why does all that matter? Why does the sound and the eye position? And I would say yeah. we and, know trauma is stored in the body. Go ahead, Scott. Did well, you I was to- gonna be before we do that, I just want to sure. make sure that the listeners, because this is all very deep stuff. I remember yeah, like yeah. Oh, there's a lot of deepness that we can unpack here. But for listeners, if if you ever want to just experiment with the concept for those of you that go oh that's just woo woo crap right watch your significant other watch someone you talk to while they recount a favorite memory or whether and you will see their eye accessing cues right stuff i learned in neuro-linguistic programming which is why i mentioned it yeah so everybody does this and no two people may be the same so I, i also want you to understand you know, I love these FBI profilers who come in and they talk about body language, right? It's frankly all bullshit because you can't, you can't profile somebody without a baseline to begin with. Yeah, right. Um, and this is all the body cueing. So sure. now, now go ahead and expand on what you were saying. Yeah. But I want people to know that you're That's all great. doing this. And I love that. And even more to, to, to feed off what you're saying is you can even notice like when you're sad, your eyes will move down. Or when you, when you're thinking about something and someone's talking to you and automatically you go into space and you see your eyes, like kind of like they're frozen, yeah. typically someone or move up or they're, fro- they're staring. Typically somebody's having either a past memory or something's coming up. All these things, all of us experience, if we start paying attention to our eye position. Sound is an easy one you can experiment with. You can Google polyvagal theory. There's a nine minute video you can watch on YouTube, or you can put on anything with bilateral sound or calming instruments. And I don't know if you guys do resources, but I'm happy to share a bunch you can put on your thing where people can try them after, um, where you can just listen to or Google in your Spotify bilateral sound and see if they come back and listen to them to go to sleep. And you'll notice I had people who couldn't sleep at all and just started listening to bilateral sounds and then are sleep all night. So So when you, when you mention it again, for listeners, are you using bilateral sound as an equivalent to what are our binaural beats and the, the, the various frequencies that are out there, like the white noise, the gray noise, all the same stuff. I think instead of getting like so specific, I think it all doesn't matter. Like, that's what I'm saying is like, don't be for these people. Like any of those are good for your body and sound is sound healing is very important. So instead of us also going like, what's the difference between EMDR and and, and brain spotting? I think my goal here was like actually to say not, not so much. And what I'd rather do is talk about a lot of the concepts and how you can do them on your own and not worry so much about which one's better or why they like, it doesn't, that's what I'm learning. I'm integrating many of these as I know you have maybe with you know, it's awesome. An example I use with Michelle's, if anybody does Pilates out there, the new and improved Pilates is gyrotonics. And it came out of the guy who did Pilates and founded it. He was a dancer, right? And it's very rigid movement and follows protocol. Well, gyrotonics is much more fluid and moves your body and is less rigid based. And the way I always describe it is EMDR was the first kind of like Pilates and brain spotting doesn't use intense protocol. So it's less frigid and it's much more, we let the client lead. That's the main difference. And so, you know, we learn all of these theories we were talking about, energetic traditions. Then we move to like, there's a, there's a bunch of moving type of cultures, right? All over the world. Africans have been using movement if you to heal the body. And all of this stuff has built upon each other over centuries. So really us, this Western world and thought is so new and it's been going on for so long. We're just building off concepts and all of them are helpful. If you love to go out 
and do free flowing movement to music, you are healing your soma. Mm. If you like to play drums and you go and drumming, that is somatic interventions, healing your body. If you love to do yoga, you're engaging in somatic interventions. So also, there are so many rich things we've been doing, again, centuries that we as Western therapists think like, oh, these new things and the terms. And it's not woo-woo because it's been traditional Chinese medicine uses qigong. It's movement and energy. And all these things are somatic healing. So I, instead of getting us caught up on what are the names, you could Google it yourself or we can give you. But any of them are so integral and important to healing that if we can fit them into our lifestyles. And I'm also happy to talk about those three things. So sound, right? We were saying an eye position and mindfulness and how the combination really gets at the two, right? The sub and the lower brain right. that we studied. So if we scoot back a little, when we say soma, and we all know there are, I think, a billion neurons in the brain that process stuff, right? And make us think and everything. The brain is so powerful. Well, the mind, however, depending. Well, there's, I think, 500 million, and don't quote me, um, neurons in the stomach. We've, we've called it the gut brain. It's the second largest area where we're, we're processing what's going on. And that those 500 million neurons will speak through the vagus nerve and others to the brain. And that's why when we talk about soma, it's so important to know, oh my God, all these neurons in my stomach are reaching up to the head and to the brain. Because anybody who has GI problems, anybody who's like, oh, I have trouble going to the bathroom. I get clogged up. All you out there who are like, you know, I either have diarrhea or all the major thing of GI problems is really these somatic things that's going on in your body because your, your stomach is talking to your brain and any of these types of interventions will really help you to be more functioning, less symptomatic, and, and just moving around in the world you know, much more easily. And then I'll pause. I know I said a lot and maybe you have thoughts or questions and we, I can ask I you. Do. I do. Yes, please. So um, Diana, a question you probably get a lot because I know we've talked about it offline is, you know, I'm a client and I don't know, is healing even possible? Oh, what a, I love that question, Michelle. Thanks for asking. Well, what we know, which we've known for many, 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 many centuries, but a lot of Western um, researchers have buried really is that, and that now in the last 30 years, we are really admitting it with the research is that the brain ha has neuroplasticity. Yes. And what we know is the brain changes every day. So the way I also describe it to people is like, imagine you're going down a slope and you're, and it's a really bad slope with snow. And you, when you go, you just get this one path, right? And every time you just, it's really hard to get off that path because it's that one you've gotten through the snow, right? It's like, yeah, it's icy and you can't get anywhere else. Well, neuroplasticity is when we teach these things, when you start doing some of these things to your body and it changes your soma, your brain will go in another path down that hill. It has to have discipline and practice, but it, the brain absolutely is healing, growing our entire lives at every age. And it's the most beautiful thing. And that's why healing is cer certainly possible and has been so possible for many of my clients. I've had clients that were I mean, suicidal the day I met them or passively and mm -hmm. immobilized and frozen mm -hmm. and through, you know, a lot of evidence-based practices and then somatic stuff, which builds off of, I think, a lot of these talk therapies we would do at the beginning to help with trust, to help with recognition, to help with knowledge and understanding. We have to use the front lobe sometimes. And then when we trust a therapist, we're often willing to do deeper work with somebody because again, sorry if I'm talking too much, but I'm now, I'm so passionate Good. that really what we know, we all know, we've all studied and all of us have seen the research, the number one base uh, um, factor mm -hmm. in change in a client is 
the relationship between the client and the practitioner, no matter what type of integrations you're doing. So somatic work is so important only when the client is ready. They've been traumatized. We have to go at their pace. We might want them to do this. We can't push it. It's all about trying and titration. Just tr titration is like going slowly. So trying little interventions. Maybe I'll ask a client, why don't we start with five deep breaths? Open your body and you guys all, let's try it together. And pull your arms all the way out. Like you're stretching, stretching, stretching. We're doing it live. And exhale. And move your arms down, maybe in almost the ground. And then do another inhale. Out, out, out. As high as you can, lifting your chest. Don't let go of the That's steering wheel. Like and Scott's watching us, not engaging. No, no, no. I, so anyways, I... what he is, he's breathing just not with his arms. <laughs> so the point is that in and of itself, that is a mindfulness somatic technique. Even breathing is, yeah. right? Breathing, paying attention to your heart. Some other things I'll add, if you're thinking about, well, what does this look like in session? We can kind of go through it. Well, so and, and before we get there, before yeah, okay. we get there, I-, I yeah, Thank you I, for I, guiding I, us. I, I want the listeners to understand how practical this can actually be. And, and what I'd love to do just very quickly, Please. right? You're teaching it. Yeah. Um, and I love, by the way, the fact that you said the connection between the practitioner and the end user is so critical because for end a user. long, for a long yeah. time, well, you know, to me, it's all computer programming. I, I get that. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, my, our jobs are to go in and take the bugs in the programming and hack a better code. And one of the things I've noticed for a very long time is something that I've said is that most medical practitioners are inadequate witch doctors. Um, and it's changed. I, I've noticed it just in my own practitioners. They've become so holistic. And so they're just taking time now. You're not rushed in and rushed out. You're not a number. And they are now suggesting very somatic self-healing techniques. So some of the stuff I'm using, and I'd love to know, Diane, it's yeah. great that you teach stuff, but yeah. I'd love to know what you guys are actually doing. So I'm doing, oh, I, do, I do daily, I do daily Qigong. Uh, I can tell you that all through my uh, healing portion with my surgery, it was everyday EFT, every day, Wonderful. which is emotional freedom. It's tapping. Um, tapping I, you guys, just so you know, you're just, you could do it right now. Take your fingers, go yeah. to your chest. And tap slightly, lightly, move them around. That's what Scott's talking about. Where on one your example. Where on your chest, right below your clavicles, around there. If you want, there's many ways to do this, but I want clients to know when somebody says something. Go ahead, Scott. And, and so while I do a lot of chakra work with folks, sure. um, I have now started exploring, and I'm going to go back to basics. I have now started exploring daily body scanning and mm -hmm. taking cues. So I'm curious, what do the two of you guys do? Yeah. Well, glad you asked. <laughs> My whole life, I used to be a business consultant for 20 years. And so when you talk about computers, I laugh because I tried to tune that all out, really. <laughs> I don't want to talk about computer as computer. Uh, but yeah, I spend up one and a half to three hours a morning in the mountains with nature. And all that is somatic because I'm doing grounding the whole time and or spiritual work, which is great grounding is also somatic is five senses, sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. What do I hear? Oh, the birds are chirping. What do I smell? Oh my gosh. I can smell all the new scents of spring and the flowers. I sometimes hear the wind. I can feel the wind on my body. 
what can I touch? I always love to hug the sycamores. We hugged the oldest oak today. Michelle and I had the oldest, oldest oak tree. I laid on the oak and hugged it. And I got a picture. It. Should be our cover yeah. art. So 250 this years. Is, these are practical tree. things you guys can do all the time where you're bringing yourself just back to the present. And PTSD, which we all have, right? The trauma that we're all carrying from, from many things, but from COVID and such, even doing grounding five, with the five senses will bring you back to the present moment and help you feel more alive and creative and compassionate and all the things we want to feel every day. So I do that in the morning. I meditate. Um, I'm a massage therapist, as I, we mentioned at the beginning. So I get massages when I can. Um, I, you know, bilateral sound, I listen to all sorts of the kind of the sounds you were like different. There's different frequencies, 528 megahertz, all these frequencies. You have to play with them. See what sounds gen like generate with you. And you can Google these sound healing frequencies on Spotify and see what you like. I've got to tell you, we yeah. did a show and I mentioned to uh, Michelle. Sorry, I didn't know that. I didn't no, I, no, 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 not on that. Yeah. The sound that does it for me. Yes, I love nature. Yes, I love... I love the sound of a creaky old pirate ship sailboat mm -hmm. in the middle of the ocean and you it. hear the creaking yeah. and the seagulls and that just it's like instantly I'm, do, I'm somewhere else. Can we do an intervention for you? What does it bring up in your body when you hear that sound? What do you notice in your body? Do you notice? It is instant freedom. It is that feeling. Freedom. It is that feeling of, oh, my God, I'm home. Great. So he expressed a feeling freedom. I'm going to also ask him as a somatic therapist, what do you notice in your body when you listen to it? Do you notice your heart rate slows down or your muscles? It, it, it feels, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because as I'm saying it, mm. it's that old Buddhist philosophy of strong back, soft front. Mm. of your of just your chest opening sure and i don't know about anybody else but i love the smell of the sky after it rains i love the smell mm. of of the ocean i just love the smell of the ocean yeah me too 100%. i hate the sand by the way it was a, just so everybody knows as a kid my mom would take us down to the beach all the time and i would sit in the car <laughs> i didn't want to get my i don't like the texture but put, yeah, me in, put, me, put me in the water Love it. and it's just instant freedom. freedom. So freedom maybe to you and correct me if I'm wrong, the way you describe it in your body is there's a softening of the belly, right? Yep. And, a, and, a, and feeling more upright, almost like that you're alive. And, and you're right. A Buddhist approach, they say that means that you get more um, self-esteem from feeling like I'm alive and connected in the world or other things. So a lot of somatic interventions, right, are a, a therapist guiding you through What's happening in your body? And then what feeling might that bring up in your body? So what are the visceral feelings inside of your body? And what are the feelings attached to those? And often clients don't know. And you may be like, I don't know what this is doing to me, Diane, even listening. And that's okay. Therapists are here to help you through. Trauma has caused us, especially, and I, I think I told Michelle I would bring this up, especially in the patriarchy, if that's okay. <laughs> Trauma. A lot of what we've been taught for, so men have been taught, shut down all of your emotions to survive, that they're not safe in the world. You have to compete. And the only real emotions men are allowed to show maybe is anger or laughter or shutting down. 
And women often in a patriarchy taught, they cannot show their anger. They got to shove that in the box, shove that in the box. And maybe they show other emotions. So one of my favorite books that just came out recently is Gabor Mate. You know, he's very famous addiction and trauma specialist, but he wrote the myth of normal. And he talks a lot, such a great book. He's building on all of Vander Kolk's, you know, 30 years ago, the body keeps the score. And then is adding all the trauma folks since then. Everybody you would love, you know, Alice Miller and the guy who does the polyvagal theory and Bruce, um, what's his name? I, you know, all, all the great trauma specialists. And he, he does a great job of doing the, combining the intersections, right? Of the patriarchy, of trauma, of everything we're talking about, race, class, um, socioeconomic factors, and really how we, as a society, it's not that there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with the culture and the time we're living in, that it's an unhealthy sort of traumatizing society. And maybe you don't believe that. You're like, Diane, you're crazy. The book is really great to help you to understand how when we when we get up in the morning, we walk outside and there's a billion things that are going to cause us to get traumatized from watching a show or having to pick a drink out of 800 drinks in the store or he, all the things that will cause anxiety, how that's in, impacting our body and how that is really difficult to get out of because we live in it every day. So that being said, he talks a lot how the patriarchy impacts men or women or how that's impacting all of us. So I think a lot of this informs my interventions and my practices with men and women, psychoeducation and helping to people understand what is happening in your body. How do we unlock it? How do I know what I feel? And a lot of it just takes a lot of time and practice. So how do, I mean, I think I know the answer to it just from my own explorations of body scanning and the like, but how can you, Diane, let listeners know that there's an issue, a challenge, an obstacle, right? So I, you know, a lot of us feel tension in our lower backs. A lot yes. of us, I carry stress, by the way, between my shoulders. Yeah. Um, growing up, I mean, this, I'm saying this for listeners, but I'm sharing, you know, growing up, I constantly had stomach aches, mm -hmm. anxiety. And to this day, if I go into a fearful situation, sure. my stomach goes into knots. There you go. That's right. You know. So yeah. what kind of things can, can listeners ask themselves that can cause them to start wondering, my goodness, could this somatic self-help or contacting you, by the way, Sure. How, how can they help themselves by first recognizing that there's an issue? Yeah. I mean, I think there's two ways to think about that. One is you, you brought up an example is when do you notice in your life that you're triggered? Oh my gosh, all of a sudden I become emotionally dis dysregulated. And what do you mean, Dan? Well, my heart really races when somebody yells at me or when I hear the sound of a car backfire, like I can't really come back online for like a half an hour or I get in a fight with my significant other and they continue to talk and I'm not paying attention. I realize I didn't even hear the last thing they said for an hour or I really have a trouble going out to places where I know I need to go. You know what I mean? You tell me to go to yoga, but I can't even get into a yoga class. All, all of these things are signs of like, I'm feeling triggered and I'm not functioning the way I want to in the world. Um, and, and, or there's in the moment, I want to say to you, take a deep breath when you notice and just stop and just take a deep breath and acknowledge what's happening. That is a huge step you can do without coming yeah. to sleep. Oh my gosh, I'm not hearing what my spouse is saying. I need to take a deep breath. You're allowed to do that. There's the other psychoeducation I think we did last session a little, which is what's happening is there's this thing called window of tolerance, right? And everybody is able to go to feel 
So I'll give the example of the backfire. A car drives by right now, Michelle and I hear it, the car backfires immediately, we're jumping, my heart's racing, but quickly my brain says, oh, that's a backfire of a car, and I regulate back into a window of tolerance. Well, with some people who've experienced too much trauma is they shoot up and they stay up that high for too long. Like I said, for half an hour, their heart's still racing. For some clients, what happens is if they've experienced trauma is their heart doesn't even race when they hear that. That's below the window of tolerance. They stay numb. Mm-hmm. So, and some shoot back and forth really too quick, right? You hear somebody, they're screaming at you and the minute later, they're like totally numb. So that's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of dysregulation. Well, the, any of these somatic type interventions help us to come back into that window of tolerance. So again, to your question, why do I need this? Well, do you ever feel like you're triggered and you don't want to be, and you want to feel more emotionally regulated, happy, calm. Mm-hmm. You want to feel more curious. You don't feel curious ever. You feel numb. All these things will mm-hmm. help you. Do you ever feel like, and if you do, do you want to feel more emotionally regulated on a daily basis that I can feel like I can have a conversation with Michelle? We may disagree mm-hmm. and we're going to be okay after, mm-hmm. and we're going to feel fine after. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to feel exhausted. Lethargy is a huge symptom. When we're always up and down, we're going to feel tired all day because we have a hard time emotionally regulating and it takes so much practice. So all this is to say a lot of this stuff you can do on your own or, too. Or we're having so much friend fun with our friend and that we're not sleeping really well. Yeah, you go to a new house and you get to go. <laughs> do we want to go through maybe an example, something together? Is that what we were doing? Yeah, but do I did want to reference like for those of you that want to listen um, and find out more about Diane's work in brain spotting, reference back to her, the first time we had her on episode 82, just search for brain spotting or Diane Belinsky's name in our list of podcasts. If you'd like to go back and listen to her first episode. So, and also just to clarify two things I do in my practice is brain spotting, but also parts work. I love internally family systems parts work, which years ago, Vanderpool talked about Michelle's specialized in it. That's Howard Schwartz's work, right? Is that, that's his name. Schwartz started adult work is where I systems. Okay. Or Gestalt does somatic work too. All of that you can do, and it's very easy to learn. No Bad Parts is a great short book that you could read. Anyone can read. And this is just understanding we have parts and that can set, that's a mindfulness technique that can separate us out, right? If I know a part of me is angry or another part of me is a perfectionist, then I don't over-identify with it. So that in and of itself steps us back from ourselves. I am not my perfectionist, right? That's the only part of me. I'm not my critic. I'm something else. So I love parts work because I, I have to say I've been getting great results too with any kind of client for that. Whereas brain spotting, I feel certain kind of clients are ready or not, but I haven't had a client who's like, I can't do this parts work stuff. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So you did, I, I asked you if you might give us an intervention for today that our listeners could enjoy um, separate from the podcast, yeah. but, in, but included in the podcast. So I guess my warning would be, uh, Scott and I are not driving right now and we will get to enjoy this. If you are listening while driving, please do not like you press pause. Okay. <laughs> this is a great one you can do while seated too, which is so good for everybody who works all day and is like, this is all great, but like I'm on my computer eight hours a day, eight hours a day. Here's a grounding while seated and it's pretty short. So okay. we'll just go through it. Does that sound okay? Yeah, and I've been sure. talking re- really fast because we're in a podcast. So now I'm going to try to go slow to walk us through grounding. So would you be willing to experiment with some movement that's focused on grounding? As you explore this process, notice what arises for you. There is no right or wrong response. 
Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth if you're comfortable with that. Or through your nose. Take another deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. And if you'd like, shut your eyes. If not, it's okay to leave them open too. While you're seated, notice how your body makes contact with the chair you are sitting on. Can you sense the contact on the back of your legs and your hips? Do you notice the sensation where your back meets the chair? Do your feet touch the floor? If not, you can adjust your seat so that you your feet can be in contact with the floor. Take a few moments to notice the sensations in your legs and feet. Slowly, press your feet firmly into the floor. Notice your engagement of the large muscles of your legs. Now expand your awareness to your whole body. What do you notice physically, emotionally, or mentally? Now experience, experiment with difference, the difference between how it feels to engage your legs while firmly pressing into your feet and then not engaging your legs. Notice the difference of how you feel when you're not actively engaging your legs. And repeat this action several more times, continuing to notice the experience of sensing and feeling your legs, feet. And then take a deep breath, come back to the room and open your eyes if they were closed. And that's just a simple, short, a little bit of a body sensing technique that you can do in inside your chair. Does anybody want to share, Michelle or Scott, how you felt? You first, me first. I will defer to you. Okay. Um, I guess everybody's body is different, but I um, I definitely felt the difference between the pushing down on the floor engaging my legs, relaxing my legs. I adjusted my feet. So they felt more in balance. I noticed I was leaning more, um, because of some physical issues. I was leaning more to the left side because I tend to try to compensate for physical challenges on the right side. And so then I brought myself back into balance. And did it, did you notice anything when you noticed and then you moved, did anything shift in your body? I just felt more comfortable, felt more and more comfortable, comfortable relaxed. Yeah. More and more relaxed. Mm -hmm. As we teased, we've had a really good time together and I'm exhausted. So it felt so peaceful. <laughs> um, and I was trying not to fall asleep. <laughs> so, uh, one last thing to share with that. Thank you, Michelle, is that often this can seem scary, but 99%, I don't want to say always when we notice what's happening in our body, it shifts and it often becomes lighter, more tolerable, and or less painful. That somatic mindfulness is the number one technique for chronic pain. So for people who have chronic pain, 
any form of mindfulness, yoga, meditation is very efficacy. Like it's the best thing you can absolutely try for your body. So if it sounds scary to try this, it's only going to feel good. And I'm going to add one thing just as a practice pointer from my own experience. And and then um, we can take it towards the end of the show. And that is very simply for me, it is much easier listening to Diane guide me through this. I noticed despite all my work, all my training, all of my stuff, that if left to my own devices, if Scott is left unsupervised, uh, <laughs> I I tend to wander in my thoughts. So I'll start at the top of my head and move down, right? But if I, and, and then I go somewhere and I catch myself and I do the whole Pema Chodron thinking and bring myself back. Whereas if I listen to someone like Diane walk me through this, and there's some great uh, stuff on YouTube and you can get all kinds of stuff. Uh, it just, the guided part of this works so much better for me because it puts me in that lane and in that structure. Yes. Can I interrupt you? Because you brought up something I wanted to share. That's so important. So thank you. Yeah. Is that actually, and Scott has worked on his trauma for many years and he does this for a living. So we as therapists, why it's so important to come to us. I keep saying you can do it on your own is that actually we hold this container for you in so many ways that the sensory nerves, my nervous system in the room, or even when you hear the sound is already positively impacting your body. So what's going to happen is if you're too scared to do it, when you do it with someone, it will work. So a lot of clients that have severe PTSD cannot do this alone and don't do it if you can't and can't even shut their eyes. Mm -hmm. And when you come into a therapist, what somatic work I've realized is most of my clients can't do it alone. They're too traumatized. And the more we do stuff in session and we're not doing meditation with them, but the more comfortable their body gets and the more emotionally regulated they get, the more healing that happens in the brain and the brain changes, the more they can do it on their own. So thank you for sharing. Oh, sure. It's, yeah, it's just, and again, for those of you that that are saying, oh, I'll just do it on my own, you may hit a wall uh, and you, you may hit a wall. And so for those of you who might do this on your own and say, oh, I got this. Um, the reality is, look, I know this stuff and I hit a wall constantly. And I knew this, by the way, back when I was getting certified as a hypnotherapist, right? If I try to do hypnotherapy on my own, I wind up overthinking, I wind up second guessing, am I doing it correctly? Oh my God, I got to run through a script rather than turning control. I'm going to use the word because it's not really control, but turning the driver's seat over to someone else that knows the, the destination I want to get to. So again, some of you will be able to do this on your own. And if you can't, you got people like Diane. So Michelle, again, maybe, or actually Diane, best place for people to get a hold of you. Yeah. Um, my website, www.dianebelinsky.com, D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-I-N-S-K-Y. And you could just email me. That's spelled wrong. I-N-K-S-Y. Sorry, Michelle. Um, you can email me or you can just, you know, find out more information about my practice on my website. And you're working online, in person, both hybrid. What are we doing? Yeah, I'm doing both. I see clients in person in my Westwood office and also online in California. Cool. So, um, Diane, I'm going to ask you the question. I don't know that I asked you this last time. I don't okay. remember, but maybe. But, but, but I'm going to ask it again. Given all that's happened now, we're back together again. 
what are you doing to keep your own shit together? Oh yeah, we just said it all. I still hike in the morning <laughs> for an hour and a half to three. So hours. you're out in that. You're out in nature. Yeah, six days. But what ago. what about throughout the day? What do you? I mean, what's the mindset that Diane brings to the world? Mostly, I'm I'm constantly because I do so much mindfulness. If you spend that much time doing grounding sensations in the world each day in nature, your body integrates them into your dailiness. So what happens is it's so much easier for me to just automatically ground in the present when my brain goes crazy. I grab hold of senses, sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. And I try to regulate in the present moment. I might drink something. I might re-engage with the person that I'm next to. I might try to look out outside at the trees that are passing by. Um, yeah, but you know, we're all human and we get distracted. We have a, a mind and like the Buddhists say, it's this habit mind and it goes crazy. So we have to keep practicing all these ways to bring us back into the present moment. So yeah, because I do it so much during the day, it's, it's easier for me to continue doing it all day, you know, cool. pretty much. Yeah. All right, and Michelle. And distractions, no social media. And I rarely <laughs> watch TV. I love to read. All right. I think we've come to the end of the show. I think um, so. Yeah. And, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Michelle, anything you want to end with or? Oh, I have one tip that I was thinking about, but I didn't want to interrupt, which is, um, if you're a visual person and you want to start your, you don't have access to nature, maybe you're in the middle of a city or a high rise. And let's say you have access to Netflix. Michelle has started with her morning coffee, watching a series called moving art on Netflix, which is, you know, there's an episode on ocean. There's an episode on birds. There's an episode on flowers. And just while I'm drinking my coffee in the morning, because I'm not a morning person and I need transition and I don't always want to go to the beach or hike, um, <laughs> just try watching that with your morning coffee, tea, you know, stretches, whatever. That's my very, tip today. Very, very cool. All right, everybody. Diane, thank you for being here. Thank um, you those of you, Those of you who have listened to us, uh, thank you. Next week. We will be recorded again, and we are going to be talking about embracing your flaws and imperfections, uh, kind of a follow-up to what we talked about today. And again, I want to thank everybody for listening. And with that, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.